John. I know, uh, you know, today has been a little hard, but I'm glad you're here. Um, I am too. I am too. I do want to uh, start off with an apology to our listeners. Oh no! Um, so I will confess that I completely forgot to post the episode on Monday. I did not do that, so it wasn't posted until yesterday. Well, at the time of this recording, so Wednesday was when it was posted. So I apologize. I woke up Wednesday morning and realized I never posted that episode. <laughs> but uh, with Father's Day going on and, and all the festivities around that, I just got distracted and didn't think about it. So I apologize. I'm sorry. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you had a good Father's Day to the fathers that listen to this show. And uh, we appreciate you. So I hope you'll have patience with me. And uh, But a uh, little surprise for you. You get a, a bonus episode. When there's not supposed to be a bonus episode, so that's, that's cool for free, right? A free bonus episode. A free. I'm not. We're not even going to charge you for it. Man, we, we need to talk to our accountant about that. That's got to be rough. I know our marketing department's just going to be furious with us. <laughs> it's us. We're the marketing. <laughs> we have a grand total of uh, let's see, me, John, two employees. So we're uh, yeah. I think our uh, our legal team is currently in my backyard right now. Uh, Champ and Parker. They're working pro bone. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, I hope that uh, you enjoy this show. We are going to be reviewing Jurassic Park. No, excuse me. Jurassic World Dominion. The third and final installment in the Jurassic World series, as well as the Jurassic Park as a whole, they have said this is the last one. John is tilting his head, meaning, eh, we'll see. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, talking about um, Jurassic. But I don't believe, since it's not too long after we've done the last episode, we're just going to jump straight into the last two episodes of Obi-Wan, right? Do we have news? Uh, there is some stuff we could talk about. Uh, there was some stuff that I saved that I thought would be worth mentioning. Uh, it's nothing huge, but something that I thought would be enjoyable for us to discuss. Well, let me open up my old... So the first thing that... Uh, and this is rumor, by the way... But uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order star Cameron, uh, is it Monaghan? I would just assume it was Monaghan. Monaghan. That makes more sense, yes. That British silent G. Yes. Is set (laughs) to reprise the role of Cal Kestis for a live-action Disney Plus series. (sighs) No. My thoughts as well. Too much of a good thing is a bad thing. The The game is incredible. I'm very excited for the sequel. Um, there are enough other shows that they're making on Disney Plus that I have my concerns about. I don't need to add another one. Right. Um, phase 4. As Phase 4 draws to a close, expect to see where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is headed next. So I'm glad that they're going to be revealing that because as of right now, um, it is very unclear. I mean... It's not so much that it's unclear where they're going so much as it is it's unclear how they're going to get there. Because we know it's <laughs> Kang. It's yes, just a matter of what's the setup to make him new Thanos. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, the thing that I brought up a few episodes ago. So you heard it here first. Um, they are seriously considering a season two of Obi-Wan. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy has said, as long as the fans want it, then that's what we'll do. No, um, Star Wars fans are stupid. I, I say no. John as a collective, no. as a collective entity, giving decision making to fans is dumb. It is, uh, and not only that, but how are they going to know? Are they going to send out like a questionnaire to all the fans and let be me, like, "Let me let me check my email real quick." Do you want this? Yes or no? Um, and uh, it's really funny because if you're ever on Twitter, you know Twitter is a very uh, fair and unbiased place. I was just going to say chaotic, but okay. <laughs> so, Twitter is chaos. So typically, whatever you follow, you know, naturally, whatever you follow is going to think and act a lot like you do yourself. So a lot of those accounts are going to think and act a lot of the same way you do. So you're, you're going to agree with them for most of the part. You know, you're going to read what they say and you're like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. So most of the people I follow have said, no, please don't do that. However, if you follow topics on Twitter, you usually get the other side of that. And so if you follow Star Wars, it is an overwhelming, yes, we need this. 
And then, of course, then the one person who nailed it, who said, oh, yeah, season two, that's already out. It's called A New Hope. I mean, yeah. Got him. And I mean, we'll, we can talk about that more when we talk about the last two episodes. But like of all the of all the shows that have been Disney Plus that I've wanted a second season for, this is low on that list. I, I would say the bottom, maybe not at all. It is not the it is not the bottom. It's not even on the list. It's it's on the list, but the bottom is I did not want a second season of WandaVision. Oh yeah, that's mainly yeah. because I mean you talk about the sequel or the season two of Obi Wan is a New Hope. The season two of WandaVision is Multiverse of Madness. That's that's true. You can't really slam a second season in there. Somehow. No, you really can't do that. So oh, man, I I would I would wanted a second season of the Bad Batch less than I no, probably more, more than I would have wanted a second season of Obi Wan. Mm, yeah. I did not care for the Bad Batch. So we talked about that a few weeks ago. I have a really reliable source that works with Disney. She actually works at the park uh, as a cast member, actually. And so she had some inside knowledge. Calm down, Martha Stewart. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Insider training. Um, But uh, but yeah, so uh, but we'll let's 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 just talk about it. Let's just talk about the show. Okay. And let the listeners decide for themselves. Do you think that this deserves a season two? Do you even believe that it deserves a viewing? <laughs> That's a hot take. Golly. <laughs> um, so I have the Wikipedia pulled up with the like four sentence plot summaries, and I, I have grown to appreciate these very much. Um, so I'm going you know, to do part five, talk about it. Part six, talk about it. I think we should. Okay. Part five. Um, that's the actual name of it, not just, you know, me being silly. Um, 13 years prior, I guess to the end of part four, um, Anakin tr- or Kenobi trains Anakin in lightsaber combat on Coruscant, where he criticizes Anakin for his aggressive actions. In the present, tracking Kenobi's location to Jabim, Vader promotes Rev- Reva to Grand Inquisitor. I don't think there was like a sound cue when that happened in the show either. That was somewhat disappointing. Um, the Empire arrives to besiege the facility and deactivates its escape <laughs> it doors. Been, if you've ever played The Legend of Zelda, it should have been the sound when he opens a, a master chest. And it's just that. <laughs> when, he, when, when she gets the badge. And then at the end of the episode, it's just a blue shell. <laughs> for like half of the episode, there's just a blue shell icon whenever Reva's on the screen. Um, to stall for time, Kenobi negotiates with Reva and deduces that she knows Vader's true identity as she witnessed his massacre at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant as a youngling. You know, those negotiations were short. I don't know the next line and I'm ashamed. Dang it. I have a bad feeling about this. That's in that's in that scene somewhere. Um uh, she reveals she wanted to gain Vader's favor uh, in order to kill him for revenge rather than serve him. The facility is then breached with Tala sacrificing herself to save Kenobi. Realizing they cannot win, Kenobi surrenders and is taken to Reva. There, he convinces Reva to kill Vader when she delivers Kenobi to him. Meanwhile, Leia opens the doors after removing Lola's tracker, allowing the path to escape before Vader besieges the facility. Reva uses this opportunity to attempt to kill Vader, but is quickly overpowered after a brief duel and stabbed. She is left for dead, and the original Grand Inquisitor arrives to reaffirm his status. As the PATH network escapes, Reva finds Bail Organa's message on Kenobi's transmitter, revealing Luke's location on Tatooine. She got blue-shelled real hard. She did. She did. I hate that for her. Oh, man, it's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the I one of the up most a little up, bit when that happened. Well, we've all been blue shelled. I mean, with you know. joy. What? The, I think the thing that ends up being most upsetting about this episode is that it they exists. Ne- they never explain how the Grand Inquisitor lived. He has like a one-off line of, "Oh, revenge is a powerful motivator if you want to stay alive." And it's like, no, his whole backstory. Like he was a Jedi Temple guard who witnessed Ahsoka's trial and Barriss Offee's trial. And those were the things that turned him away from the Jedi Order. You you He's overlooked not... a very important element, John. Because the writer said so? Yes. <laughs> but also, he walked in and had an extra light on his chest that wasn't there before. I did miss that, yeah. So it's that light, I'm telling you. So so you're saying the amount of lights on your your chest rig ATM, your little pin pad, uh, that determines how many times you've died? 
that determines how severe your injury. The more lights you have, the more injuries you've had, and the more evil you are. Ah, the tracks that those would be, you know, along the same. The same That's why there. Vader has a light bright, whereas everybody else just has, like, you know, a flashlight. He doesn't even have a fun design either. Like no. back, at, back in my day, we had the light bright and we made, I don't know, there were stencils. I wasn't creative. Oh, John, that makes me sad. Have, have we met? Arts and crafts was not my favorite time as a child. Did you not ever make a lightsaber on your light bright? I mean, I did, but like, that's not hard. No, but it's unique and your own thing. Fair. See, you're more creative than you give yourself credit for. That I will completely agree with. <laughs> I. So where do we, where do you begin with this episode? I don't even know. I, I sent John a paragraph text on my thoughts with this show, this episode specifically. Yeah. Um, John didn't respond, so I took that as that was a lot to take in. Well, it was a lot to take in, and I feel like, if, like for the most part, it was like, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of how it is. Yeah, you couldn't really respond to it. It was just, it was just more or less just my opinion. I wasn't really looking for an argument. I was just like, hey, these yeah. were my thoughts. I you didn't ask for them, but hey, here they are. Whole, that's our whole shtick. Um, I think the thing that's most satisfying about this episode is that Tala is dead, which is a a borderline not crass but it's a rude thing to say um i just was not enthralled with her as a character no uh, it was definitely not upsetting it was the it was the equivalent of wade yeah see you already forgot you heartless <laughs> you heartless. the guy from the first episode <laughs> the episode right before this one he was one of the like cruiser oh captains. the speeder pilot yeah and he the, gets the... shot down and they're all like no wade and then they get back to the ship and they're like where's wade and they just hang their heads. It's like, oh, one man lost, another man gained. And it's like, Where, Jay, what? Where's Wade? <sighs> Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's awful. Uh, but that's the equivalent of how much you care about that character. It's like, Wade, why are we Why are we so upset about him? We, ju- yeah. we didn't even know who he was until you said his name. Yeah. Well, it's just, she was apparently initially set up to be like a love interest for the season and i think even the writers realized like the show doesn't Tala? need that yeah oh i didn't know that like first first draft of the season she was going to be like a casual love interest and then everybody was like no wait hold on, hold on back up back up so you're telling me there were multiple drafts of this season at least two i feel like that's probably all there was there was a rough draft and a first draft <laughs> and that was it i yeah there so are I, some there are some things I would not disagree why don't, with. That why don't why don't I just read real quick what I sent to John? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I texted John and I said, Wait, so is this the end of Vader? Is Reva going to sell out Luke now? Or just go after him herself? She can't tell Vader because he is unaware of the children until Empire. Vader fighting without a saber. That was pretty BA. Did they just use another scene from a video game? Because Vader literally grabs the ship out of the sky and keeps it from taking off. Mm-hmm. Which uh, was from Force Unleashed one, yep. one so or that's, two? Uh, from the first one. So that's okay. two things now from Force Unleashed. The first one was when Obi Wan was in the uh, the room underwater tunnel. Dark. No, that was from um, oh, that's right. Yeah, from Fallen Order. Sorry, Fallen Order. But when he's in the dark room and he turns on his saber and like kills a stormtrooper and then turns it back off, that was also from Force Unleashed. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so did they just use another scene from a video game? Come up with your own stuff. Reva spent all these years infiltrating the Empire so she could kill Vader. Well, that really blew up in her face. Hey, <laughs> let me sneak up on you like Assassin's Creed and ha! Oh, darn. He heard me. My assassin yell didn't work. Also, what is up with people getting stabbed in the chest and surviving? There are some vital things in the chest cavity, specifically the heart. Also, can we point out how Tala... <laughs> Can we point out how Tala has an intimate relationship with her droid? They arrive at their pit stop to help these random strangers we are meeting for the first time, and they jump out and run up to their loved ones. She lovingly embraces one of those worker droids that then dies trying to protect her later. I... And then I compared it to running up to my Mustang, my 69 <laughs> Mustang, and, and holding it lovingly and being like, ah, I love you, baby. <laughs> I So that bit didn't bother me so much just because, I mean, characters have always had deeper relationships with their droids of choice so that was just kind of like oh yeah it's star wars you know i mean don't get me wrong the the loading droid it wasn't r2 it wasn't c3po it wasn't bb8 it wasn't even lola lola's great um but those character arcs ended in episode five and i'm very excited about that (laughs) 
<sighs> oh man. I the thing so at the at the end where Darth Vader force holds the ship and then there was a it was a second ship that was hidden behind the other one. <laughs> Why didn't he just grab that one? He was just like, Oh, fool me once, shame on me. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it's one of those things that we haven't seen in a movie. And I think there's a reason why we haven't seen that in a movie yet, because it, it kind of destroys anything that's ever happened before. So, like, for example, in Rogue One, right? So he's on the the uh, Star Destroyer and, um, you know, Leia's ship gets away. Well, now we're looking at it and we go, well, then why didn't you just grab it with the Force and pull it back? If so that's... That's an interesting question because it's a bigger ship than the one on Jabim, which he did grab, but it's a bigger ship in space. So he wouldn't have to like fight gravity or anything. That's, that's really interesting. Do you think you can grab a bigger ship when there's less resistance? I mean, that would make sense. I don't know how to feel about that, but there were also more engines. So it's, I guess it's one thing if the engines were dead, he could force pull it back in. Like if they had EMP'd it, then I feel like that would be definitely on the table. Maybe. I don't know. It it was it did kind of raise some questions because, you know, yes, that happened in Force Unleashed, but that was a video game and that video game was not canon um, yet. Well, at least it wasn't even when it was made. I think even then, like George Lucas didn't say like this is canon like this was just. a Oh, it, it exists outside of canon. Yeah, just... it's just something. It was just a fun video game, almost like a what if. You know, yeah, and and so because of that, you couldn't say, well, if he did that in the video game, how come they didn't do that in the movie? Well, it's because that that was the video game and not the movie, and so for him to do it in something that's canon to everything else, it's like, well, why hasn't he ever just done that before? Like even later in the next episode, you know, there's a part where Obi Wan is in a little ship flying through space. Why didn't he just grab that teeny tiny ship? Just be like, uh, no, you get back here. Um. I think the fact that it started in a video game is going to give us our answer, Jay. Um, he had depleted his force meter, and he needed to <laughs> replenish it by defeating enemies. Uh, so That's it. You figured it out. Good job, John. Thanks. I'm glad, I'm glad we got that cleared up. Well, yes, let's use video game logic to explain the video game moment. If, if only he had a potion at that point that could have refilled it, or if he <laughs> had put in the, the proper cheat code. <laughs> BD1 stim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the, the whole message at the end... In the little uh, the communicator, the little communicator was just totally just un- unnecessary. You know, yeah. Uh, Senator Organa didn't have to be so specific about stuff in his message to to Obi Wan because he could have easily have said that uh, guy at that place. Yeah, and, it might and, have and a problem. Obi Wan would have known exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, but instead he's like, "Yeah, that's right, Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm heading to Tatooine uh, to check on that very special boy. It would really suck if the Empire were to hear this." <laughs> oh man. So anyway, Reva didn't die. No. And do you want to know my biggest problem with her? I mean, I don't even want to call it a fight scene with Vader. I mean, it is, but it's like you know who's gonna win. Why would why the people when they want to assassinate somebody with a lightsaber? Why do they like ignite it and then slash? Why don't they ignite it? through the person and then slash because it's a sound cue more than anything yeah and it's like what are we what are we doing here you've been training for 10 years for this moment and you blew it well and then she literally goes ah as she's coming towards him and it's like he's gonna hear that what yeah, did you expect know. to happen i yeah, have and you then... seen an inquisitor lightsaber break apart like that though like deliberately deliberately break apart like that no that was very unique i thought that was cool yeah so that means that there were two kyber crystals in there not just one yeah <laughs> there was one and it was split but i don't does think that, that necessitate every dual blade has two crystals i don't think so because it just depends on if you can break it apart because if you break it off then the kyber then it loses the the energy flow yeah, yeah, you, you take the battery out. Yeah. Which is a weird way to think about it. Uh, that's... Uh, so she would have had to kill another Jedi to take their kyber crystal. Because, I, I mean, I don't know as a lot about... Know. I don't know a lot about, like, Inquisitor canon. But I know to get the red lightsaber, you have to bleed the kyber crystal. Right. You, you have to go kill a Jedi, take their kyber crystal, and force it to your will. Which essentially, like you said, makes it bleed. Which gives it the red color. Yeah. Which is why Ahsoka's are white is because she stole those sabers from she an, inquisitor, an inquisitor yeah and then she purified them i have that book and i've been meaning to read it for like years you I should haven't. it's it's very good I think plus I, it's I, just it's ahsoka so yeah 
I think I also have like the OG Thrawn books somewhere. Oh yeah. And those are also very interesting, especially now because I expect Thrawn to be a player in Ahsoka. Yeah. And they're not canon anymore, but the same guy that wrote those books wrote the, a new one Thrawn book. Yeah. And from what I've heard, it's just as good as the old one. Oh, that's exciting. It's just, it's chain. You know, they had to change a lot of it because it had to be canon now. But, um, yeah, we, uh, we started spiraling there, but yeah, I, you know, the one thing that doesn't make sense to me, you know, and what we discover is that Reva was a youngling when Anakin was attacking the temple and she played dead so that Anakin would leave her alone. So she's playing dead. Anakin leaves her alone. And then, uh, she then decides to become an inquisitor to basically be a double agent and eventually kill Vader. But she's also going to kill other Jedi at the same time. So it was just kind of a, a weird way to go about things. Yeah, she she seems kind of like an ends justify the means type of character. You know, she has her singular purpose and she does not care who or what gets in her way. Which, you know, is a, a sign of the dark side. I was going to say tremendous heroism, but I mean, yeah. Yeah. So <sighs> last episode. Last episode. Oh the last episode part six again i love these names they're great um reva arrives on tatooine to locate luke while vader pursues kenobi and the path in his star destroyer kenobi separates from the group so that the path can escape after realizing vader is only after him he goes to a nearby planet to confront vader alone after an intense lightsaber and force duel kenobi is able to incapacitate him by damaging vader's helmet and breathing device Realizing that Anakin has embraced his identity as Vader and that his former friend is truly dead, Kenobi leaves. Meanwhile, Reva arrives at Luke's home and confronts Owen and Beru. After subduing them, she pursues Luke into the desert, but eventually returns him to his family after remembering Anakin's massacre of the Jedi Temple. Liberated from the dark side, Kenobi congratulates her for overcoming her trauma from the past. On Mustafar, a healed Vader abandons his search for Kenobi after his master, Emperor Palpatine, questions his motives and loyalty. Back on Alderaan, Leia has found new resolve in her duties as a princess. Kenobi visits them and affirms he will help, he will help the Organas when needed, and bids Leia farewell. Returning to Tatooine, he, con- he resolves his conflict with Owen by le- agreeing to let Luke have a regular childhood. Owen allows Ben to meet Luke, and he greets the boy with his familiar, hello there, before venturing into the desert. Having found his inner peace, he is finally able to see and converse with the force ghost of his old master, Qui-Gon Jinn. This episode was great. I loved it. I loved... I really enjoyed the fight between Vader and Obi-Wan. I loved the dialogue right there between the two of them, that last, like, minute between the two of them. Like, it was actually, like, very emotional. Yeah. Um, And then I really liked him meeting Luke, and I really liked him finally seeing Qui-Gon. And then that's about it. That's all I really liked about this episode. His... So, this episode, to me, has a lot of the high points of the entire show. Um, the the duel for the first, like, third of the episode is incredible. It is a top five lightsaber duel in all of Star Wars, in my opinion. Um, it's entertaining, it's well done, and, like, the, the depth of it emotionally is absolutely there. Um, the the Tatooine scene for, like, the middle third, where Reva is, like, chasing Luke and then is about to kill him and then doesn't, it's the weak part of the episode to me, somewhat by far. Like, her resolution is very much a, oh, dang, we might do a season two and we need characters. That's kind of the vibe that I get from that, which is very unsatisfying to me. Um, the thing that was the most emotional to me, though, even more than the charged dialogue between Obi-Wan and Vader, was his little conversation he had with Leia, talking about, these are gifts from your mother, these are gifts from your father, I knew them well, they were my friends, I will be here for you. That just got me, man. <laughs> I'm glad you liked that. I did not. I felt the complete opposite, actually. I I felt like kind of like what we've said from the very beginning. Um, you know, she doesn't know Obi-Wan Kenobi as far as we can tell in A New Hope. So to me, it just kind of messes up the whole canon I... to me. And then and then furthermore, the the thing that I really didn't like was that I mean, I thought it was sweet what Obi-Wan said to her. You know, these are 
characteristics of your mother. These are characteristics of your father. But she never knew them, nor will she ever know them. Right. And her adopted parents are right there. Yeah. And so I feel like that's what he should have been saying was that these are characteristics of your that father and that mother, not Anakin and Padme. I don't know that he had ever met Bail Organa's wife before, because obviously he would have known Bail from Coruscant, but even then, it's not to say he knew him. He, I mean, obviously he didn't know Bail Organa as well as he knew Padme or Anakin. He spent a considerable amount of time with them. I, I guess it's more just like, to me, when, she, when he said that, I don't know. I guess it's because I know a lot of um, adopted families, you know? And so yeah. to hear that, I was like, ouch. Like, you know, yeah, I get that. Yeah, th- those are his, his, her mother and her father, but she never knew them. She never knew them, yeah. ever. And she never will know them. So to tell her that, I just felt like it, it didn't really do anything for her. What would have been better was for her to say, you're an amazing person and you're an amazing person because of who's been raising you. Not, you're an amazing person because you inherited these characteristics from your birth parents. So that, I don't know, there was something about it that didn't sit right with me. So in nature versus nurture, you are largely nurture? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that nature has a part of it, but you're it's more nurture than anything else. Okay. I, yeah, I'm <laughs> from, a, from a storytelling standpoint, I'm going to disagree with you. In a real world application standpoint, 100% behind you. The impact of something like that on, un, the impact of something like that unsolicited on an adopted child, I could see that being a bad idea. Um, but in the context of the story, I think it worked. Um, I think it's something she would have wanted to know. I think it's something uh, Bail Organa would have wanted her to know because she would have been incessant about asking him and asking him and asking him because, I mean, we've met Princess Leia in how many different movies, TV shows, anything at this point. She's relentless when she wants something. So I could I could even see, like, Bail Organa giving him a hint of, like, giving Obi-Wan a hint of, like, hey, give her something. Come on. Like, something, please. She's being ridiculous. Um I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. And, and, you know, like, you know, like you're saying, I mean, I understand it's a fictional movie and, you know, it takes place in a galaxy far, far away, but you know, it's, so they can do whatever they want to do. But, um, I just know personally when I watched that, I was like, ah, oh, come on, Obi-Wan. Like, you don't need to be doing that. Like, uh, Bale needs to be doing that. Not you, you know, that w- it would have meant more coming from him. Uh, because that's, that's, that's who she knows as daddy. Yeah. So my question, my, my thought about that though, is have they, and I I could have been, they could have addressed this earlier in the series and I just wasn't paying attention. Had they been open with her about like, we know who your parents were and we're just going to leave it at that. And not like a, we were a mystical space adoption because (laughs) that could be another reason why it fell to Obi-Wan to say something is because Bale's story had been weird. We don't know. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to tell you anything. Yeah. They didn't clarify that. We did know that she knew that she was adopted. Like they made that clear because that, that happens. Yeah. Someone, one of the kids at one of the parties is like, you're not even really royalty. Like you're not even blood related or something like that. Yeah. One of the cousins was a twerp. Yeah. And, uh, of course then she has a really snarky comeback, which was awesome. But you know, uh, so I, you know, I, I don't know, but, uh, so that that bothered me a little bit. Um, the um, you know I I like that he finally got to meet Luke. You know uh, yeah. that was a relief. That whole scene I, I was laughing when you were going over the the summary of it because the scene where Reva is chasing Owen and uh, Maru through the house and everything. I was sitting there and I went, man, I hope they live. And I hear my wife chuckle in the background. Well, I, we were, so we're recording this on Thursday and we normally record on Wednesday, but I got home a little late um, from church last night and I hadn't watched the episode yet because it was an hour and a half and I wasn't able to watch it on my lunch. And we were talking about it and Jay, he asked, are we recording tonight? And I was like, no, I just got home. I haven't been able to watch it. And he goes, uncle Owen dies. Vader's Luke's father. (laughs) And I was just like, how could you root? It's the release day. You can't send me spoilers. So, in in the context of that, there are a lot of ways to have fun um, about watching this series. Because, again, there are some hard stops on, you know, whose story ends where in Star Wars. Um, this show was a lot of that. Like, we know who's going to make it out. It's just a matter of how, why, what happens, that type of thing. Um, 
it in the show i'm, I'm gonna keep saying the show ends because i don't want there to be a season two um it ends so strongly because that scene with luke this was the one spoiler i got on twitter throughout the day of of release day um i knew that he was going to say hello there somewhere which is a very satisfying spoiler to get because it absolutely gives you something to look forward to um so the fact that it happens at the end and then you get the 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 Liam Neeson cameo that we were all like expecting let's be honest um it took a it little was, bit to get there it was so satisfying i mean it does beg the question if he's not going to be in his house where does he do for 9 years but cuz i just always thought he was a hermit he did hermit things i don't know he does have a house eventually so i guess you know right now he's probably in the market he's probably yeah, calling some realtors and stuff what are what are the interest rates on Tatooine like in whatever what would that have been 9 um before yavin bby i think is the canonical year measurer before the battle of yavin before the battle of yavin Man, we'll have to we'll have to see if we could get can we get a tattooing realtor on the show do we uh, do we have somebody we can make a call <laughs> i can i can get one of those big old gillette razors that they had as a communicator for episode one yeah just talk into that get the property brothers in here to uh help out <laughs> with uh, buying a house and tattooing <laughs> and if you uh if you come out here we have a lovely sunsets we have a great view of sand um and if you look out this other window we have a great view of sand and if you go out your front door you guessed it more sand (laughs) rock gardens are very popular in this neighborhood and if you if you are needing some yard work done you can just uh hire uh a sand uh a tuscan raider uh and if he leaves it's okay because they usually come back in larger numbers and they'll be able to uh, do more yard work and get it done faster. Yeah, that's what they do. Yard work, they definitely don't do anything else. Um, can can we talk real quickly about the other borderline expected cameo from this episode of Emperor Palpatine? Ah, yes. I was reading today, Ian McDermott was apparently very sly when someone asked him if he was going to be in the show before it started. He was like, I don't know when my next in-person appearance will be in it. Like, my next physical appearance in a Star Wars movie. Or in a Star Wars property. And then we get to this episode and he's a hologram. I was just like, you twerp. You knew exactly what you were doing. And I respect it. But on the other hand, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, and let's talk about, too, that final fight between Obi-Wan and Vader. Um, it, it, the, the one, there were two negatives that I, I I didn't like about the fight. The first is Vader gets off his ship and walks off, walks up to Obi-Wan and says, Obi-Wan, did you come here to kill me? And which doesn't really make sense because Vader came to him. So yeah, I wish Obi-Wan had been quicker on his feet and had been like, well, you came to me. So I, that was just a setup to get to the line from revenge of the Sith. I know it was like, it, it wasn't even really subtle. I will do what I must. I will do what I must. And then he did the Obi-Wan pose, and we were all just like, oh, the Obi-Wan he pose. He did it. Form three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, the fight was uh, was pretty amazing. The, the the second thing, well, see, it's kind of a, uh, it, it, it's like a whole, like, thing for me. So, you know, Vader does this really cool thing where he breaks open the ground, and he uh, basically buries Obi-Wan in the ground. <laughs> Darth Vader used Earthquake. It was super effective. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. Continental smash. And um, he he buries him down. All the rocks get thrown up on, on top of him. And then he just walks away. And that kind of bothered me first because I was like, you don't know if he's dead. Like, why are you just walking away? That doesn't make sense. My son said, well, he's just overconfident. I said, well, that, that, is, that could is very be, Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. That could be very true. Um, overconfidence. The second thing that, and, and this is, this is a longer thing. So just, just bear with me for, for, you know, two minutes. So, okay. So one of the things that we learn in the original star Wars trilogy, okay. Is that one of the thing what saves Anakin from the dark side is love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Luke has the drive to save his father because of love. He loves his father. He wants to save him, right? So, one of the thing one of the reasons that Anakin fell to the dark side was not because he loved, but because he loved and acted like he had to possess. Like like Padme was a possession. So he didn't love her, he like in he lo- a way owned her. He loved the idea of her. Yes. And so that's why he fell to the dark side. 
was because, you know, he he was basically right where he said to Padme, so really, if you think about it, the Jedi are actually encouraged to love. Yes, you're right. However, there's a difference between loving somebody and then, like, acting like you possess them, like they are your property, which is how he treated Padme. He was just completely obsessed with her. And so, and then we see that again in this fight. What saves Obi-Wan, what gives him the strength to get out of that hole is plot his armor. love, huh? Plot armor. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> but his love for Leia, because he starts thinking about Leia and protecting her, and so his love for her is what gives him the strength to get out of that hole. So it bothers me a lot when you look at the new trilogy and you look at Rey. All right, and the first, the first bit, the Force Awakens was such a great setup for this series. But then what happens is, is it, you find out that it, you know, what it looked like was it was her love for her new, her, for her new friends, her love for her new family that awakened the force inside of her. But instead what we discover is, well, it's actually because you're a Palpatine. So it just completely ruins that whole message. And so it bothers me that that's the message that we get in this new series and yet it doesn't carry over to the new trilogy and it bothers me so much because it just messes up that new trilogy so much more and just makes me hate it that much more yeah and then on top of that i could go even further because then luke also says i'm not afraid and he says that a lot in the original trilogy i'm not afraid i'm not afraid and yet when you come back to the new trilogy the whole reason he's stranded on that planet is because he's afraid now that that it's just out of character for luke i mean i disagree because there have been things in my life that i have been afraid of that i'm no longer afraid of and there have been things in my life that i was not afraid of that i am now so i could see that being a like the battle against fear in general as a concept is a lifelong you know you're you're at it every day and maybe when he had the added pressure of the school, it changed his calculus of like, I have so many more things to be afraid of. And one of them won. You know, I imagine there was an emotional toll when Grogu picked the armor over the lightsaber. Like his first student left before his school was built. That's, I mean, that's got to be a hard realization. So, I mean, maybe that's explored some in Mandalorian season three. I don't, I don't know. Mandalorian season three is a huge question mark to me. Like, does Moff Gideon break out of prison somehow and become the villain again? I'm on board. I want that to happen. Giancarlo Esposito is the man, but that's a completely different, I'm definitely going on a tangent. Well, what this series did for me ultimately was it made me question. I mean, I was already questioning Disney Star Wars, Mm -hmm. but this series makes me question it, question it even more. Yeah. It makes me doubt what Disney is doing. And makes me, I'll be honest, makes me nervous for future projects because like Ahsoka, I'll, I'll admit I am, I am really pumped about Ahsoka because I love Ahsoka as a character, mm-hmm. but I'm so worried that they're just going to just completely crap all over it. Like they have, you know, like they did really well with, okay. So like they didn't do too hot with the new trilogy. And then they did Mandalorian, and it was like, whoa, this is really good. And then they did Boba Fett, and it was like, uh, okay. And then they did Mandalorian again in the Boba Fett, and we were all like, what's going on? Yes. Did I enjoy <laughs> it? Yes. But was I confused the whole time? Yes. Also, yes. It's like most of college. <laughs> I'm here, I'm having a great time, but I don't get it. And then, and then they did this, and it just, it really makes me nervous. Um, you know, if it makes you feel better, they probably don't know what they're doing either. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, and I guess what it is, I thought about it this morning uh, because I wanted to make sure that I said it correctly. But the problem with Disney, I think this is what they've done, is they've they've bought this property and mm-hmm. they want to make it their own. And I get that. However, when you buy a property that already has a very well-established universe, why would you change it this much? Yeah. Doesn't make sense. I mean... In some ways, is it not, you know, an immature relationship of being in a relationship with somebody being like, I can fix them. It's like, well, if you are in a relationship with them to fix them, you're not there for them. You're there for you. Right. Yeah. Like Disney's not there for Star Wars. Disney's there for the dollar signs. Yeah. So if they were motivated by what would be best for the fandom, what would be best for the IP, half of the decisions they've made would have been different. Very. 
So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, they when they see the word Star Wars, it definitely begins and ends with dollar signs. Yes. Quite literally. The S is a dollar sign and the ending S is a dollar sign. I'm trying to think if there are other letters in there that are also monetary units and I can't think of any. No. Yeah, I, I got nothing. No. So anyway, John, do you have anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Just I think I think this ends with the best episode of the series, and I would love for it to stand alone. I would love for there to not be a season two. Me too. Me too. So with that, <clears throat> excuse me, series as a whole, what would you rate it? It's tricky because it ends on such a high, but I think as a whole, I'm going to give it like an eight because the highs are high, the lows are low, and there's a lot in the middle. So it is saved by the high points of the show. For me, because there are so few high points and the rest of the low points to me are very low, um, I actually am going to give it a five out of ten. That's barely even a recommend. Yeah, I mean, I, I recommend the first episode and I recommend the last episode. That's about it. I I get that, but it's weird to do that from a narrative perspective. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, if you want the whole narrative, you, you're going to watch the whole thing. Yeah. But if you want just good If you watch it and want quality? to go back and re-watch it, there are some episodes you will not re-watch. Yes. I think that's fair to say. Yes. I've, I remembered the point about the series as a whole that is dumb. <laughs> When this show started, Obi-Wan is like, he is a nobody. He's a shell of who he was in the prequel trilogy. And by the end of it, he is like top five most powerful force user in the galaxy. We didn't get a training montage. We didn't get, oh, I'm just going to meditate every time the camera is not actively on me. Like, is it, does it genuinely just like come back to him like riding a bike? That's what I decided today. I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, using the force must be like riding a bike. You, you, you don't really forget how to do it, but it just takes a little bit. And then you're like, oh yeah, I got this. So what, what do you think the, the analogous phrase for that is in star Wars? Because speeder bikes don't have wheels. It's like, it's like what? Cause I mean, I would assume speeder bikes have a gyroscope. That means they don't flip. I don't know. This is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I waited until our discussion started to go, and I was like, wait, let me ask this dumb question I thought of right now. It's like riding a bantha. Fair. Man, those are really high up there. If you fall, you're going to feel it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that would be uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show. I give it an 8. Jay gives it a 5. Um, I'm explaining this out loud to give myself time to do this math in my head. We give it total a 6.5, which is rough. Probably about fair, yeah. but rough. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough for sure. And uh, I guess what I guess part of the reason why I gave it such a low rating is because I did have really high hopes for it. I had very high hopes, um, you know, because this is such a beloved character. So I thought, oh, for sure they're gonna do this right. Uh-huh. So speaking um, of beloved characters, and we're, we're sure they'll do this right. Let's talk about Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> All so, right. So if you haven't seen the other two, you should probably watch them first. I, I would go so far as to say if you haven't seen the other five. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you haven't they seen play a part. the original trilogy, which is weird to say in any other context other than Star Wars, um, the Jurassic Park trilogy and the first two Jurassic World movies, you will be confused. And I say that because I didn't see Jurassic World 3. No, I didn't see Jurassic Park 3 or Jurassic World 2. And when I tell you I have questions, <laughs> there's so much context that I just don't have. Um, so that's fun. Um I do you want me to read the plot? Wait, I I can I can summarize it pretty quick. Okay, it's pretty easy to summarize. <laughs> they do Jurassic Park again, but bigger, and it yes. fails better. So, uh, in so in Jurassic World, which is the beginning of this new trilogy of movies, what we discover is is that they decided to go ahead and make another Jurassic Park. Well, it actually has been successful for several years, and so they decide they actually start seeing the numbers going down. There's a lot of people not going to Jurassic World anymore. So they decide, hey, let's do it bigger and better. And so naturally they make some crazy genetic hybrid thing. Um, and it's like half raptor, half T-Rex. So uh, it's half raptor, half T-Rex, and a full mouth of teeth. And they, um, the park gets crazy and lots of people die and are eaten. And uh, eventually the big T-Rex thing is eaten by this giant uh, mastodon whale thing i don't know 
uh, the Loch Ness monster. And then uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it's called. I don't know Leviathan. that I remember that part of the movie. <laughs> he grabs it and pulls it into the water. Um, anyway, so the park gets shut down, right? So the park is shut down. The dinosaurs are left on the island, and everybody leaves. And they think, okay, John has a question. Yes. Are you are you explaining Jurassic World the first one? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Dominion. Oh no! And I was like, I don't remember any of this stuff happening in this movie. Yeah, no, 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 no. no this is to get up <laughs> to get everybody up to speed. So then, um, so then. They leave the park, right? They leave the dinosaurs. Well, it turns out in the second one, so then what happens in the second one is there the volcano that was on this island uh, becomes uh, is awakened, and it's going to destroy the dinosaurs. And because of uh, the Environmental Protection Agency and uh, PETA, I guess they're like, "Hey, uh, we got to save these dinosaurs because technically they're animals too, and they have rights." And it's like, uh. All right. So then they go and they save as many dinosaurs as they can. Obviously, they can't save them all. So the rest of them die on the island. And then they're all brought back to the mainland. Well, uh, then uh, they get loose. And that's how it ends. It ends with the dinosaurs are now loose in our world. So now we are into Jurassic World Dominion. And I want to say like three years has passed. Is that what they say? Uh, you skipped Fallen Kingdom. That's what I. That's what I just summarized. Fallen Kingdom was the volcano. You didn't explain anything about how there's a cloned girl from somewhere. Oh, and there's a clone girl. Whatever, because she plays a big part in all this. She was the most confusing part of the entire movie to me because well, she she's plays a, no role. I mean, she plays a role in Dominion. We'll get into it. So then. So then, now we're in Jurassic World Dominion. It's been three years. The dinosaurs are now all over the world. They've also jumped continents, so they're not just in the U.S. They're in other places as well. And for some reason, um, at least here in the U.S., I don't know about other countries, but for some reason, people are okay with there being T-Rexes and raptors. I don't understand why they haven't hunt them down yet. Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... So they're they're roaming around and uh, and they're trying to consider, hey, what do we need to do about these dinosaurs? Because it's getting a little out of hand. Uh, there's been a lot of deaths. Uh, we need to figure this thing out. Well, the unfortunately, there are now these giant locusts that are swarming and killing all the crops and attacking little children. And one of the little children captures one. Uh, and then Dr. Sadler shows up and Dr. Sadler's like, hey, uh, let's look at these locusts. And she's like, oh, wow, these locusts are crazy. Uh, you know who might be able to help me out with this is uh, uh, Dr. Grant. We can go see Dr. Grant. So she goes see Dr. Grant. They have a instant reconnection because, uh, you know, there's always that tension between the two of them and the original three. What? Surely <laughs> not. What? How could, you, uh, how could you say such a thing? I know. So her, her and her husband have divorced uh, conveniently, so they can now have a thing. And... Uh, <laughs> And so they're like, hey, uh, here's this locust. Oh, wow, this locust is huge. Yeah, uh, definitely from, uh, got, has some characteristics from the Crustaceous period. Oh, really? You were able to figure that out that quick? That's pretty impressive. Uh, and then they're like, so where'd this uh, locust come from? Well, we're pretty sure that it came from uh, Evil Corporation. And, uh, and uh, they're like, oh, really? And uh, just so happens that these locusts, they don't eat uh, seed from the Evil Corporation. Oh, well, we should go to Evil Corporation. <laughs> Let, let's go to the place. Yeah, Do let's the go thing. to the place. Let's go to the thing and see if they have the locusts there. And uh, Dr. Grant's like, that's a great idea. How are we going to get there? Well, it just so happens that uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Ian Malcolm is working there. What, what a well, guy. How about that? Well, let's, let's go see that. Let's go see that that, guy. that funny guy. That fella. Yeah, that good old fella. So they, they go over to Evil Corporation and uh, find out that Dodson is running Evil Corporation. You know, the red shirt guy from uh, the first Jurassic Park. Which is an incredible callback, by the way. And very random, and just like you, if you didn't love the original series, you wouldn't have known that. I had no idea. I oh, was watching okay. it with a big fan, and she like she elbowed me, and I was like, "Hey, what are you?" She was like, "It's the guy," and I was like, "Yeah, he's a guy." She was like, "No, no, no, it's the guy. It's from, Dotson, you know, from the Newman. one that nobody cares about." Hey, it's Dotson. It's Dotson, people. She she hey, sent me the gift. Nobody yeah. cares. <laughs> Just like in this movie. And so then, um, <laughs> so then, so then uh, they find uh, Malcolm, and Malcolm, uh, you know, he does his Jeff Goldblum thing. Where he's like, oh, yes, uh, uh, if you uh, go downstairs and uh, you'll uh, find the... Uh, I'm pretty sure he wrote this movie. And so then um, they they go downstairs and they find... They just don't uh, give not- him a script. They're yeah. just Jeff Goldblum. Just Jeff Goldblum your way through, through your lines. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, I don't know. The way this jumps around, I think he may have also like written it or uh, written it and directed it too, because it is just it is everywhere. Because in the meantime, um, phew, man. So the thing, man, this movie. So then, um, uh, what's Chris Pratt's character's name? Uh, Owen. Owen. Owen has been living in the woods with his uh, redheaded estranged girlfriend. I mean, they love each other. They're just in denial. No, they're in the woods. They've been raising clone daughter, and um, Blue has a baby that the clone daughter names Beta, and uh, they kidnap the these rednecks, kidnap Beta, as well as the clone girl, and they end up at Evil Corporation. Well, uh, Dr. Grant, Dr. Sadler, and Dr. Malcolm discover her, and they rescue her, as well as a sample for the uh, locusts, and they start running away, and they decide one of the... Uh, doctors decide you know we're doing way too much and we need to destroy the locusts so he sets them on fire they get out uh and the woods catch on fire because of course they do um owen meets up with this uh female version of himself yeah that's fair and uh she flies him to the island him and uh howard dallas howard uh bryce dallas howard's bryce dallas character's name is claire oh claire sorry and uh Mm. They crash. What? No, surely not. I know. And dinosaurs try to eat them. And uh, there's a lot of characters in this movie. At one point, they're all in one place, and there's like eight people. And you're like, this is a lot. This is kind of crowded. Yeah. Can can some of the dinosaurs eat a few of you so that we can, you know, <laughs> have less people? Um, so then they, uh, yeah, they, uh, they get out of there. Uh, one of the evil doctors is like, no, I'm a good doctor now. I'm going to save everybody. And the clone girl has the key to, uh, in her DNA to be able to kill the rest of the locusts. So they do that. And Dotson dies ironically in the same way that his co conspirator did in the first one. Just going to keep calling him Newman. I know it wasn't Newman. his character, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's Newman. Uh, ah, ah, ah. and, um, and so then they get out of there and, uh, there's a tag team, a T-Rex wrestling match in the courtyard between a T-Rex, a bigger T-Rex, which they have a different name for, and uh Wolverine the dinosaur. <laughs> I was I was just going to call him Wolverine Turkey. <laughs> gobble gobble bub. <laughs> I want to make this a shirt. I mean that um <laughs> And uh, so tag team deathmatch, bigger dinosaur loses, and uh, Turkey Wolverine and original T Rex win, and uh, everybody gets away, and uh, everybody lives. Surprisingly, and, uh, Beta gets reunited with uh, Blue, and we're assuming that they're still living in Montana, but at the same time, they're also collecting up all the dinosaurs and taking them to this new place where they can live for the rest of their life. Where surely nothing will go wrong. Definitely yeah, not. Yeah, and uh, I guess they'll go extinct or something. Um, B.D. Wong's character is back again. Um, he was the one doing the, the genetic research for the locusts. Right, And he had, right. a, he had a change of heart, and he realized, hey, these are bad. Um, yeah. And then the villain was like, no, they're fine. Um, so at the end of the movie, he uh, does eradicate the locusts. He, he completed his arc in the movie again. Isn't that what he does in every movie? He's bad yeah. until he's good. Yeah, he's bad until he's good. Yeah. I mean, if it ain't broke. Um, yeah. I, admittedly, I have not seen every Jurassic movie. I, um, I mentioned that earlier, so I didn't have the full emotional attachment, the full knowledge set going into this movie. Um, big picture? I don't think you need it. I think you can watch this movie without having seen all of the other movies. Um, I think at the bare minimum, you should watch the first Jurassic Park and Jurassic World before watching it. Would you think that's fair? I think necessity. I think really those are the only two. Yeah. But even with the gaps in my knowledge, it's still really fun. It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie if you don't think about it too much. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the whole premise is cloning dinosaurs repeatedly. Well, not only that, but like this movie had a lot of um, really big coincidences Yes. Uh, like major, like the whole movie was. Just, I I have um, I have a scene that I will describe to you that will summarize this movie perfectly because the whole movie is just like this. 
So I mentioned that uh, Owen and Claire find a pilot who is basically female African-American Owen, and uh, they just happen to find her perfectly as she sits on top of a throne like Boba Fett, and um, they're like, hey, can you help us? And she's like, yeah, sure. And so they hop on her plane, and they're flying to this uh, area where the dinosaurs are, and uh, it just so happens that something causes the pterodactyls to attack this airplane. Well, the pterodactyl happens to go straight for the engines, and that's it. Um, and so they're going to crash. Oh no, they're going to crash. This is terrible. Uh, so this, uh, so this pilot is like, Hey, um, I don't have a parachute. And Owen's like, you didn't think about getting parachutes. And she's like, I didn't think that I was going to have company. And then he's like, so you have no way to get off. She says, well, I've got an ejector seat, but, uh, Claire is the only, is the one who's in it. Oh, okay. That's uh, that's terrible. Uh, so <laughs> she's the only one who's going to be able to get out. And they're like, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so that's odd that she's the only one that's in that seat. Why is that seat not your seat? Because if you were in here by yourself, you would have to get out of your seat, unbuckle yourself, go to that seat, buckle yourself in, and then eject yourself. So she does that. All right. Uh, Claire does that. The other two go down with the plane, except she's able to land it well so that they survive. Um, and then they're like, oh no, we got to find Claire. Oh, well, I have this tracker that uh that will be able to locate that seat oh so just in case you lost yourself you would be able to find yourself <laughs> i hadn't thought about that <laughs> thanks i'm glad you have that that's very convenient so then claire lands in the woods and there's dinosaurs everywhere uh the turkey vulture thing is there and um and so she uh you know naturally doesn't stay in the seat she's going to try to get away from it so she lands on the ground. The thing follows her as she army crawls into a thing of water. She goes in underneath the water, and the dinosaur comes up to the water and leans down and puts his face right up against the water. She's like maybe half an inch below the water, and he goes, ah, my weakness, and then turns around and walks away. And then she comes up, and she's fine. So then they get to the seat, you know, the tracker. Obviously, she's not there. Uh, and then it's nighttime, and she is sitting she's trying to figure out she finds a tree house she's like hey i'm going to try to get in this tree house oh but i can't because now all these dinosaurs are surrounding me oh no this dinosaur is about to attack me and owen comes out of nowhere grabs the dinosaur by the throat and shoves the dinosaur off so somehow it doesn't explain but somehow they were able to find her in this forest um find this tree house that she happens to be at and then right after that this car rolls down the hill and it just so happens that it's Ian and Malcolm and no, it's Ian Malcolm and Dr. Sadler and Dr. Grant and the clone girl. That's to me. That was this whole movie was just like that. Yeah, There are some very, very big coincidences. Um, obviously I think that the timing there is what's going to be the biggest one. Um, with the, with the expectation that this is the potential final movie of a very beloved franchise, there was no way the plots of, the separate trilogies of characters were ever going to stay separate. So the fact that they hit the team up, I mean, it was in the trailer, so we knew it was going to happen. But the fact that it was genuinely just coincidence written to happen that way, it does take you out of it a little bit. It's like, huh, that must be nice. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The, it, the narrative isn't as compelling as jurassic park or jurassic world i will absolutely say that it was not as well crafted from a plot perspective but i'll give them a pass on that because they had so much more to do because they had the two big plots they had the dr sattler dr grant plot and the owen claire plot and they had to bring them together and in the in the fusion of those i think they did okay because they're like hey eventually these plots have to get everybody to the same place there was no build up for these plots it was just like, hey, here's this, here's this, here's this. Because there really were like three separate stories going on. And then we're just going to kind of mush them together. But there was no, like, to me, it felt like if this was a roller coaster, you know, because you can think of stories. I've always thought of stories as like roller coasters. You know, you have the build up, build up, build up, and then you have the drop and you have the excitement that comes up. For me, this roller coaster would have been really boring. 
because there would not have been a whole lot of big drops. It would have been a whole bunch of like little like, oh, oh, man, that was that that almost got me there. But then that was it. Like there wasn't really anything that was like, whoa, that was crazy. There was nothing like that. So for me, it was just kind of a, eh, okay. I, I don't know. I feel like they had three. They had three separate really good movies. That really good plots. Into to, one. Yeah, they had. It was like three different plots to three different movies, and they just slammed them all into one movie. Yeah, I tell you, the most underutilized character in this entire movie is a uh, Soyana Santos, the dinosaur smuggler who had the raptors in cages with the laser. Yeah, I, I tell you what. This is, you know, it's rumored to be the last movie in the series. Whatever. We all know it's not. Um, I want a TV show where she's the villain and uh, Kayla Watts is her character name. Apparently the pilot. I want her to be the the main character. I think that would be a lot of fun where she has this change of heart. And, you know, I'm not just a, a hardened mercenary anymore. You know, I'm going to go after these these smugglers. And I feel like that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Also, did you feel that... Uh... What's Dr. Grants? What's his his actual name? Sam, Sam, Sam Neil. Neil. Did he feel like bored to you? Kind of. Yeah. It's hard for I thought that the entire time. I was like I feel like he really doesn't want to be here. I feel like it's hard to to judge that against his character though. Cuz his character is just dry. Like there's there's not a whole lot yeah. to his character. He's just yeah. kind of like I'm here for knowledge, uh but I'm also here because I think she's hot. So it's like <laughs> we know what his motivating factors are. That's true. Well, I know that uh, I was really excited about this movie. Um, I really was. Mainly just because it's, you know, it's Jurassic Park. It's dinosaurs. You know, it's a good summer type of blockbuster type of movie. Um, and the idea, the premise of it, I you know, I, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Like, I really liked the scene where Owen is on horseback and he's chasing down these dinosaurs. I thought, okay, if the rest of the movie is like this and they're literally just hunting down dinosaurs and trying to gather them up, this could be a lot of fun. Yeah. But that's not what happened. See, I I watched that scene being like, oh, wow, this Red Dead Redemption DLC is really weird. (laughs) If only. (laughs) How cool would that be? I mean, they gave us Undead Nightmare for the first one. I mean, why didn't we get dinosaurs for the second one? Um, Yeah, Rockstar, if you're listening to this. Wild, um, yeah. I don't know. I, it's a it's a fun movie, but I'm not the biggest Jurassic fan. So I, big picture, I don't know that I will rewatch this movie. I can tell you, I won't. Which makes me sad because I was really hoping for for more. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, they didn't ask us. That's yes, <laughs> painfully and, obvious at uh, some point in this movie. Yes, and so you know that's okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you enjoyed it, I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I did not, um, which like I said, makes me very sad. Kind of like with Obi-Wan as well. I mean, it kind of falls in that same ballpark where I had really high hopes, uh, and it just didn't follow through. So, uh, but I think that, um, I am looking forward to, uh, some other stuff that we've got coming down soon. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, inevitably there will be Jurassic IP again. Oh, of course. You you don't have something this beloved, this well renowned. I mean, it's been was Jurassic. It was ninety three, right? So it's been almost thirty years since the first movie. Ninety six. No way. I'm pretty sure. No, it's ninety three. Oh, okay. I was like, I'm on Wikipedia. Why can't I find this? <laughs> okay, ninety three. So I mean, it's been almost thirty years of movies of this. Not to mention the book. When did the, when did the book come out? Oh, it, it had to have been like eighty something. Yeah, probably like eighty seven, eighty eight. 90 that got adapted very quickly they did and it is a very good book i haven't read jurassic park but i read timeline um another michael Crichton book and it's wonderful it is a very very good book um where was i going with that you don't you don't have ip like that and you just let it sit you know that's why we keep having indiana jones when it's like hey what if we did something else and they're like no we have this we're gonna use it it'll be something um i don't know which studio owns the rights but whichever studio it is, it has a streaming service, I'm sure. Universal, I think. So would that be NBC? Um, Paramount? Peacock. NB- yeah. NBC is Peacock. Yeah. They, Yeah, I didn't know NBC owned Universal. That's upsetting. Um, yeah, I imagine there's a Peacock show in the works already. It. Th- I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same show that I just pitched like 15 minutes ago. Yeah. 
mainly because it would be lower budget because they're not, you know, like top build characters. But no, definitely not. Um, I don't know. I mixed feelings. It's yeah. fun to watch, but I don't plan to rewatch it. Yeah, same here. Well, with that, I guess we should rate it. How many T Rexes in a final fight do you give it? Oh goodness, how much like how much how much acreage are we working with here? Because that determines how many. Uh, however much is needed. Yeah, like four football fields. Ooh, fun. Um, now I'm just <laughs> I'm just imagining T Rexes like jousting, and that's very entertaining. <laughs> um, slapping each other, or at least trying to. I. I'm going to give it seven T-Rexes out of ten. It's a movie. It's a movie, and like I said, if you don't overthink it, if you just go in just looking for fun, you know, I think you're going to enjoy this a lot more. Um, if you don't try, if you don't think too hard about it, you know, just kind of take it for what it is. Um, so I give it a six out of ten. Um, but. Like I said, if you pay attention to the story, you're you're going to give it a much lower rating. So if you haven't seen it yet and you have listened to this review, just I, I would recommend going in, just get your popcorn, get a Coke and just just know it's going to have dinosaurs. And it's a it's a classic sci fi movie that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Just don't think about it too hard. I think that's all fair. So but with that. Um, one thing that I did want to let everybody know, you are going to get us again next week, next Monday for July 4th. Very fitting. We are going to be reviewing Top Gun Maverick. Uh, well, both, both Top Guns. So we'll review the first one and the sequel. I'm excited. I don't know that I've seen the first Top Gun in probably a decade and I actually have yet to see Maverick. So, um, what do you think, Jay? Do you think I should watch the first one before or after I watch the sequel? I'll go ahead and watch the first one. Although from what I've been told from people who have seen it already, you don't necessarily have to have seen the first one in order to see the second one, but it's going to mean more if you have. So I just rewatched it about a week ago. Um, so I'm ready to go. We're probably going to see it this weekend. I would think. Okay. I may try to talk the Tuesday night crew into seeing that this week. I don't know. It's just as cheesy as you remember. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. it doesn't get any better. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cheesy, but it's uh, it's fun. All right. That, I mean, that is something to look forward to. And again, that's going to be next week. Yeah. So we will see you in one week. Uh, and until then, nerd out.